Hello and welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. My name's Darren and I'm here with Faith. Hi. Pastor Faith. And we will get to the sermon in just a little bit, but we wanted to make some time and space to talk about something special that we've been having on Sundays. And it's a new song that Pastor Faith, you and your husband, Josh, wrote, and we've shared it with our community. Tell us a little bit about it. What's the name of it? Yeah. And where did it come from? Yeah, so it's called We Need You. Um, and I, I'm going to root this in 1 Corinthians 2 when Paul says, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Um, the, the first thing that was written for this song was the beginning of that bridge section that says, We don't need better plans. We don't need clever thoughts. We need your Spirit, O oh God. We don't want the wisdom of man. We want we want a display of God's power, which is really what the world needs. They don't need to see a show, or even in the area of worship, they don't need to hear good music. We need to see a display of the power of God. So it came from that heart cry. And then the beginning of the song kind of sets up this space where we invite Holy Spirit, we open our hearts, we clear out all the distractions, the things that get in the way and then just simply cry out for more of Him. And it's this this longing to be a, a space where the Spirit would rest mm-hmm. as a community. Yeah, I love that. That's such a the heart and core value of Garden Church. Exactly. Knowing that the Spirit is present, like He's welcome to the party and we get to celebrate. And I so appreciate the beauty and creativity that you've been cultivating, not only with worship, but just something that we can invite the rest of our community into. And, and it's so cool when, when uh, in the recording of this song, it's the first time that we shared it. And it's like people have been singing it for weeks. <laughs> and it was just such a cool thing to experience. And so we're so happy for those of you that have experienced that with us on a Sunday morning. And we want to see just more original songs being birthed from this place um, that you're talking about, just being saturated in the Holy Spirit. So we are welcoming you to stick around after the sermon where you can hear a live recording of the song, We Need You, and I hope it blesses your heart. Garden Church Podcast. I feel uh, extremely grateful to be here with you to preach and to launch a series called um, a vision series. So if you if you haven't been with us or if you've been with us since COVID started, um, the next four weeks are really important because we have been a church for 12 years. Uh, this October, it will be 12 year anniversary. And we have been committed to doing things a certain way because of our convictions about uh, who God is, who the church is, and what it means to faithfully follow Jesus today. And so um, I'm excited to spend, explore the next four weeks, really four pillars. These are the, the anchoring ideas, convictions, um, concepts that we want everyone in our church to embody. Um, but we are committed to doing these things so that we can create an environment for you to follow Jesus and to flourish in your discipleship with him. So um, what we've kind of landed on is this phrase as the Garden Church is we are one family living the way of Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, bringing life wherever we go. 
So if we could condense the things, I love it. The things that we're most passionate about, it's that we are one family. So we're gonna talk about what it means to be community. Um, we are living the way of Jesus. So next week we'll talk about what it means to embody uh, the way of Jesus and how we are formed into Christ-likeness. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, which we're gonna talk about today. And uh, bringing life wherever we go. We're gonna talk about the mission and God's purposes for us. So if there's four words you wanna write down, it's presence, formation, mission, and community. These are the the four pillars or anchors that make any church flourish in the kingdom of God. And and perhaps we've missed it, but we are a community committed to these things. Um, I'm coming back really adamant about what matters most in the church. Uh, I I really, I'm I'm not going to mess around uh, because I don't think we have enough time in our life to play church, to participate in what is a consumer-oriented kind of culture within the church that produces shallow Christians. I want to create resilient disciples. I want to be a part of a church that sees a tangible move of God. Um, And I believe it can happen here. I believe it with all my heart. And so I'm going to pour my life out to the things that matter most. And so I, I don't have necessarily a great sermon Um, because I don't think it's the sermon that's going to change your life. Uh, I don't think if I preach the best sermon and give you the best quotes and read intellectually and engage with you on a deep level that we'll have the kind of change we're after because never in history have we had such access to such great preaching in the world. You can live stream someone else anywhere else right now that's way smarter than me. And maybe you do. Great. That's not what's going to transform the world. It's Jesus. And I've recognized that we can, we can focus on a lot of things on the outside, right? Like we could focus on the peripheral crises that we are swimming in, or we can, as a church, center on what matters most, on who matters most, and humble ourselves to obey his word. And come around him. So I thought I'd pray and then we'll jump into our first talk. Sound good? Either way, we're going to do it. I might sit, which is odd because I like to walk around, but <clears throat> I might sit. Should I? Somebody's saying, oh, you guys forgot to pass the buckets. John, I'm not going to do that, John. John forgot to pass the giving buckets. <laughs> it's okay, John. Those are going to come by. while. I, why don't you wait till I pray and then you can pass them. Um, Lord, we bless the offering. We ask for abundant financial resource over this community of God that longs to care for the poor, care for each other's needs, live generously in the world, humble ourselves to embody the ways of Jesus, that our money is not an idol and our success is not an idol, and we want to live your way. So Jesus, bless the offering as it comes. But right now, I pray, Holy Spirit, you'd open us to what you have for us today. I pray, Holy Spirit, for... uh, a, a passionate move in our church. So do something in us, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, buckets are coming. That's for the offering. Uh, today, we're talking about presence, and it's, it's hard because I feel like I talk a lot about the Holy Spirit, and there's a reason why I do that, and I thought, why not talk about this as the first thing we will focus on as a community? We are about the Holy Spirit We are a community committed to seeking the tangible presence and the undeniable power of the Holy Spirit. Let me just wait as those buckets pass because 
I can see that you are distracted. (laughs) And that makes me distracted. Maybe I'll tell you a story of my vacation. Which story should I tell you? Should I tell you about the herd of bison we saw in Yellowstone? Or the hydrothermal features that scatter Yellowstone? For those that have been there, you have eyes to see and ears to hear. Um, I would say my favorite thing about the trip was that my children weren't on devices and we enjoyed the the world the way it was supposed to be enjoyed with uh, knives to whittle sticks around the campfire and uh, meaningful discussions about who Jesus is and the kind of family values we embody. It was such a beautiful time. Um, I did blow a tire with a trailer, so my forerunner, or my forerunner, my uh, F-150 was going from Coeur d'Alene, Idaho to Missoula on a Sunday when, and there are parts of the United States that closed down on Sunday. <laughs> I didn't know of, of such a thing. And uh, luckily Costco doesn't close down. And so we went to Costco and had to get four new tires because you can't replace one. All right, I'm gonna keep going. Buckets are passing. So surprise, but by the grace of God, we, we had it figured out. Um, and I didn't lose my temper, which is a, also an answer to prayer. Thank you for praying for that. Okay, so listen to this, because this is probably the most important thing I could say. It's this one line. We as a community are committed to the seeking the tangible presence and undeniable power of the Holy Spirit. I want the real thing. I want our church to experience the real thing. This, when I was on my trip, I was in Oregon. I met a man in his 70s who told me a story that he had become a Christian in his 20s and, and grew up kind of his, with his kids. He homeschooled his kids and he became very, very successful in business and became kind of the board member in all these Christian organizations, an evangelistic crusade that was global. He was on the board for it. He was on the board for churches. He was responsible for buildings that churches occupied. He, he gave them buildings and millions of dollars away. He organized retreats for hundreds of pastors. This was like a business guy doing exactly what God called him to do. And then eight years ago, uh, a secret sin came out that humiliated him, caused him to lose everything. And it was in jeopardy of losing his whole family because it involved infidelity. After confessing it to his wife, he was met by the Holy Spirit for the first time in his 60s. Radically undone by the Holy Spirit, God said two things to him, never lie again and give up drinking alcohol, which he did from that day forward. And it radically transformed his life. But he was frustrated because he was close friends with leaders of movements. And they never questioned his character. But not just that, he had grown up in the church and he had never experienced the presence of the Holy Spirit. And now, for the, and for the last eight years, he has been on a mission of seeking the presence of God and going near the communities and people who are on fire. Because he realized All of those Bible studies, all of that good Christian acts and will was nothing compared to that moment where he was naked and alone and encountered the presence of God. He wasn't naked, that's metaphorical. (laughs) It's more poetic that way, but I want to be honest. I was at Bridgetown Church, our sister church, before John Mark passed it over to our good friend Tyler Staten, who's now the lead pastor of Bridgetown. He's preached here a couple times. And I preached on uh, the kingdom and the ministry of the power of the Holy Spirit on, on my trip, on my way out um, of Dodge. And uh, I stood at their 11 o'clock service and I, I probably prayed for about 45 minutes as a line of people needed prayer. 
Um, and the, I, I, after praying for 45 minutes for serious things like brain tumors or children who had died and the father grieving the loss of that child, um, the list went on and on and on. A, a six-year-old woman who had become a Christian that March um, and was because of that, that word was processing the trauma of her childhood and she wanted prayer. And it, it was this long line of people receiving prayer and Bridgetown does prayer ministry and all of that stuff. But it was this moment where I was driving home alone and I wept hysterically, uncontrollably Controllably, I had to pull over because of the pain that I had prayed for. And I realized that this is what the church is for. We must learn to become mediators of God's presence, not here, but everywhere else. Because what I see so clearly in scripture is God's desire to be near his people. If there is a theme that you over look that you miss within scripture. It is the consistent theme. The narrative of the entire Bible is God getting closer to you. And that's what I want to talk about. And it, why are we so passionate about the Holy Spirit? It's because the scriptures clearly teach that God longs to be with you, longs to be near you, longs to live life with you in your everyday ordinary moments. He wants to be with you in the crisis. He wants to be with you in the mountaintops. He wants to be with you in those parenting moments. He wants to be with you in the struggle as you fail to get pregnant. He wants to be with you when you go to your work. He wants to be with you at work and when you drive home for work and he will watch over you as you rest. That is the narrative of the scripture, but for some reason, we just want to give him a couple of hours on Sunday. Maybe a couple of moments in between Instagram, social media posts, and emails in the distraction of our busy days, but God desires to saturate, overwhelm, overflow, baptize you is the word in his presence. You were designed to live in an ocean of the spirit of God, and you settled for a cup of water. This is the story of the scriptures. If you have a Bible, um, go to Genesis chapter three. You're gonna need the Bible this morning, okay? Or if you have the Bible app, get ready because we're gonna give you, I'm gonna give you a survey of the story of scripture as we focus on this presence. I thought, I don't have a lot to share this morning except the Bible. So again, I'm gonna focus on the things that matter most as a, as a lead pastor, um, because I know sermons might inspire some change, and I believe in this sermon. I believe in preaching, but I believe it's the incarnate word. It's the word of God becoming embodied in a human, and the spirit of God releasing something in individuals that bring transformational preaching. So the story of the Bible is the story of God's presence with humanity. God, in Genesis, creates man and woman and places them in the garden. God places man and woman in the garden and choose, uh, and then from there, humanity chooses to live outside of the way God intended them to live, which was with him, in obedience to him, to walk in loving, right relationship with him. We chose to go our own way, and then things went sideways. And it says in Genesis 3, check this out, verse 8, I want you to imagine hearing this for the first time, okay? What is our God like? What kind of story is Christianity telling when it shares this kind of story? Genesis 3 verse 8. Then uh, this is after they fall into sin. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where 
are you. Because of sin, humanity was separated from their perfect loving relationship with God. They choose to operate outside of what they were intended to be. But this is a strange story and it reveals something about the nature and character and idea and longing of God. What kind of God goes looking for people? What kind of God is revealed in all the world religions as a God searching for his people? What kind of God goes around looking and calling out? What does that say about the nature of our God? What does that say about the motivation for creating humans in the first place? Clearly, God's desire is to be with Adam and Eve in the garden. So this is how the story begins. Perfect, loving relationship distorted, and then God pursuing humanity. God searching. Apparently, there were these moments where God would show up and walk with Adam and Eve in the garden. Isn't that amazing? Oh, it's the cool of the day, the wind down time where we build fires and sit and God shows up to hang out. (laughs) The story continues. The Bible continues and we go to Exodus 25. I just want to show you these major kind of touch points throughout the scripture so you can grab the grand narrative of the whole scriptures. Um, And then we'll dive into some specifics in a moment. Exodus 25 verse 8 God um, frees Israel out of Egypt and he brings them to Mount Sinai. He gives them the law and he gives them all these instructions on what it means for them to be a kingdom full of priests. Remember, priests are people who uh, mediate. They represent the divine to the rest of the people. It won't just be a person, the whole nation. God's purpose for Israel was to be an entire people group that were priests to the rest of the nations and also a holy nation set apart from the world to be put on display for the world. But then it gets into Exodus 25 where God says, this is God speaking to Moses. He says, then have them make a sanctuary for me. So he's given them a list of laws and rules to live by that will separate them. But then he says, have, a, have them make a sanctuary for me and I will dwell among them. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. So the larger story is this. These people were once slaved and now the creator of the universe says, you're my people. How cool is that? I'm going to be your God and you're going to be my people and I'm going to dwell with you. I'm going to tabernacle among you. God chooses to show these people what he's like and the goal for these people of God is to live in such a way where people on the outside could be like, hey, there has to be a God. Look at those people over there. Could you imagine? This is what I always imagine. That we would live our ordinary lives in such a way that people would want to hang out with us because of how we live. And and now is the moment, brothers and sisters. And the chaos and the political upheaval and the injustice on every social and systemic way we can imagine in the busyness and the hurried and the crises with the next generation. Across the board, the world is swimming in chaos. It is shipwrecked. That's not news to us. <laughs> but are we living differently? I'm hungry too, sweetie. Is it possible? God says, 
make a sanctuary for me and I will dwell among you. That word tabernacle is the word tent, home, dwelling place. And it's so essential for the people of God to know. It's so essential for Christianity to understand what he's saying. So God says, I'm going to dwell. I'm going to be, I'm going to take up residence with you. God wants to come down, big, big story. God wants to come down and live with his people. Remember, they're in the wilderness. God's not trying to get them out of the wilderness to some esoteric space of enlightenment. No, no, no. Our story of Christianity is God coming down into the desert to be with us. That will become the single most defining characteristic of the people of God. In fact, there's, a, there's an argument that breaks out a couple chapters later where God's furious with the people of God and he says to Moses, we're going to start all over with you, Moses. Well, I'm going to wipe all of Israel out and we're going to start over. And Moses is like, hold on, you made a promise. He's like, okay, fine. Instead, you can have the promised land. This is God speaking, but my presence won't go with you. And Moses says, no, 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 no. We don't care about the promised land. This thing that will give us generational security. This thing that was promised to Abraham hundreds of years ago that's literally in the songs that we sing daily to remind us of the promises of Yahweh. We don't want this. We want you. We will, how will we, they know. How will they know we are different if your presence isn't with us? How will they know you are different if his presence is not with you. Oh, we're going to protest. That's how they'll know. We're not going to wear the mask. That's how they'll know. We'll be anti this and anti that. And we'll legislate our rules into society because that is what we were taught to do. Take power and use it like them. I'm sorry, brothers and sisters. I'm all for Voting your convictions and values, 100%. But we have a different way of going about doing power. Are you with me? Oh, that's uncomfortable. Story is about the presence of God with his people. It goes on to Leviticus chapter 26. Just go there because you all love Leviticus. Y'all love Leviticus. I need to start preaching like my friend Alex Absalom up here. That was very clever, by the way. I laughed hard. <laughs> Leviticus 26, 11 says, um, God speaking, I will put my dwelling place among you and I will not abhor you. I will walk among you and be your God and you will be my, my people. God is once again speaking his desires. What's his desires? If you were reading this as a, a, a Jewish boy or girl, you'd, when you hear this idea of walking with you, he's, he's, God's pulling us back to that image of the garden that he walks with his creation. Um, so is true spirituality about following the right rules or is it about, or about going someplace else? If you think about the story of the Bible, what it reveals is that we are, uh, it doesn't reveal that we become the kinds of people that go someplace else. What it reveals is we become the kind of people that God wants to inhabit. That it's, it's not about me going somewhere else. It's not about me going to heaven. Uh, the story is about heaven coming down to people. God, does, God, God wants to take up residence in your life and in your family and in our, in our community and build a home here. Eventually in the story of the people of God, you go to 1 Kings chapter 8, they build a permanent 
home for God. And I have, this is so amazing. There's too much to get into, but it takes all sorts of years and it has to be the right conditions. And eventually they, they finally make the temple. And remember, the temple is designed for the people to meet with God. And they have all these rules of how they're going to meet with God. They have all these, um, this, they have liturgy designed for them to host the presence of God, the priests and the Levites. And they're ready for the presence of God to dwell in this permanent home, the temple. It's no longer the tabernacle. It's this beautiful temple. And when they finally consecrate it, check this out, verse uh, 10 of 1 Kings chapter 8. They're, they're getting ready. They, remember, they have, they, have their, they have their set list. They have their sermon ready to go. They've got the ushers ready. They've got their way of doing ministry. And then it says, when the priests withdrew from the holy place, the cloud filled the temple of the Lord and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the temple and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. I said that twice. The glory of the Lord filled the house. Glory is the tangible presence, the the weight, the sign of the presence of God. It fills the, the space where the people were designed to meet God and they couldn't perform the rituals because of the presence. Oh. Glory. Throughout scripture, God reveals himself through Wind and fire and cloud, the glory of the Lord. Um, I need to speed things up. I'm 23 minutes in and I'm just giving you lots of scripture. I'm not even done. Here we go. So we're still in the Old Testament. The temple's destroyed by Babylon. The Babylonians destroy it. And they exile the people of God. Then they come back and they rebuild everything. And um, the spirit doesn't manifest like it does when they first established it. So they feel, the people of God feel like they're in spiritual exile, right? In Joel chapter two, verse 28, one of the prophets begins to speak about what will come eventually. And it says in verse 28, and afterwards I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions, even on my servants, both men and women. I will pour out my spirit in those days. So there's this Old Testament promise that one day the spirit of God will come and it will be poured out on all people. And then the Old Testament ends and the New Testament begins. And I could go so many different directions in so many different scriptures showing you the fulfillment of, of God being Emmanuel and Matthew. Um, but I want to look at John. John says this in John chapter 1, verse 14. Are you guys with me? Did you miss me? I'm so glad you said yes. Thank you. Great. I would have walked off stage if you said no. So fragile at this moment. First John, John chapter 1, verse 14. John says this, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory and the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. He says the word became flesh and made his dwelling. And that word dwelling is where we get the word tabernacle. John steals the phrase from Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and 1 Kings. The word is tabernacled among us as a human body. The word tabernacle, God made his home in Jesus. It's not enough to be in a space where the presence is there. He becomes a man and walks among the the people of God. Now you have access. 
Now you see him. Now you see him flesh and fully God, fully human. The presence of God honors. But brothers and sisters, I have to tell you that that's not how the story ends. Acts chapter 1, Jesus, it says this in verse 4. On one occasion, while, while Jesus was eating with them, he gave them this, this command, do not leave Jerusalem. Wait for my gift my father promised. Check this out. So Jesus is saying, wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Skip down to verse 8. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So right in this text in Acts, you have a Trinitarian view, the Father, Jesus, and the Spirit. It's not enough to be friends with Jesus. It's not enough to follow him as a Savior. But what Jesus wants to do is fill you with the presence of the Holy Spirit. Genesis, walking with God. Exodus, Leviticus, and I can go through more texts, but we get to 1 Kings, we get to Joel, we could talk about Malachi, we could talk about Jeremiah, we could talk about Ezekiel, we get to John, and we see that the God dwells among his people. And then John chapter 14, Jesus says at the end, all this I have spoken while still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom my Father will send in my name, will teach you all these things and remind you of everything I have said. Peace I leave you, peace I give you. Jesus himself is a testimony, testifies that you are designed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And you're like, yeah, that's great, Darren, I get it. I get it. I get it. But it seems like we believe it, but we're functionally cessationists. Which is the theological belief that the spiritual gifts and the spirit died out with the apostles. Right? It's, it's why we can show up here for 12 years sitting in a church and not experience transformation. It's why we can be a follower for 47 years and then have this secret sin that's never confessed, and then once it's revealed and confessed, then we meet with God. It's because we haven't created an environment. We haven't been discipled into the presence of God. We haven't, I would even go far, and this is my own theology, we haven't humbled ourselves to yield ourselves to God's presence. Or, I'll even go one, one further, we're so satiated with the world's goods, we don't know how to be hungry for God's presence. Paul was obsessed with the presence of God. Obsessed. Paul says in Romans 5, 5, this is a biblical survey. Welcome to my Bible study. Romans chapter 5, 5. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Paul is so passionate about the Holy Spirit that he writes down prayers for the church. In Colossians, he prays that we may be filled with the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that we might know and serve God bearing, better bearing fruit and being empowered by his might and his glory. That is a prayer. If you just read Paul's prayers, you see this divine expectation that God's presence will empower you to live. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 23, Paul says as he speaks to the body that you are filled or have been filled with the fullness of Christ. Anyone feel like they have been filled with the fullness of Christ in this moment. Does anybody want to be filled with the fullness of Christ? 
Am I speaking to the right? Because then he goes on in verse 30, he says, he prays that we might be filled with the fullness of God. Chapter one, the fullness of Christ. Chapter three, the fullness of God. And then he says, hey, church, don't get drunk off wine. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, perfect present tense. Keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit, which gets me back to the issue. So this is the grand narrative, which I'll end in just a moment. But just a quick little side note. Why? Why don't we see the tangible presence and the undeniable power anymore? Why do you need the, to be filled with the Holy Spirit when you're just filled with anxiety and worry? When you've been filled with social media and your mind is preoccupied with that Netflix documentary? Why, why do you need the Holy Spirit when you've satiated yourself with that consumer lifestyle, right? Because why do you need the presence of, presence of God to witness when you're too distracted from the world around you, that you're preoccupied with that sale that's coming up at REI. That, maybe that's just specific. Someone just turned heads. I saw it over here. Don't speak each other's sin. Okay, there's no condemnation, okay? I'm just talking about my own life right now. Just read this article that pornography has more traffic on websites than Instagram, Facebook. It's like all the major websites. There's more child sex trafficking than ever in history. More child um, uh, uh, images on the, on, online. Like we're talking about crises of crises. And I just wonder, is it the program that's going to make you a better follower of Jesus? Is it more practices that you need? Do you need more uh, podcasts or more books to help you? It, it, you might think that that works. But at the end of the day, you have to humble yourself and say, Lord, I need you. Come, Holy Spirit. The story of Scripture is God getting closer and closer and closer, getting close enough that he can manifest within your own life. I'm going so over on time. I'm going to go through this. So the story ends in Revelation. Just to cap off the survey, to be consistent. So we started in Genesis. What what book of the Bible ends the the Bible? Okay, thank you so much for quietly saying with very little confidence, Revelation, Darren. I know because I watch Left Behind, okay? I know because Magog and God, whatever those guys are connected to the vaccines. I get it, Darren. Mark of the Beast was, was marked by, by uh, um, um, Bill, Bill Gates, right? It's all lies. It's not a good, that is not good exegesis of the scripture, We've done Revelation 1 through 14, I think. We'll pick back up in the future. But you should read that or watch that series because it's an in-depth study on how to read Revelation. But Revelation ends with this epic promise. This, this is what will happen. This is the final word on the church. And it says, um, one of them says, and I heard a loud, verse, verse 3 uh, through 4 in Revelation 21. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. Okay, the story ends, right? New heaven, new earth. And and John sees, he says, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, that tabernacle, and he will tabernacle with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eye. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. You see, I think 
the presence of God in your life is the foretaste of what's coming for all creation. But as long as you're satiated, as long as you don't realize the potential you have, not because you can do it on your own, but because you are exactly the kind of vessel God has wanted to inhabit from day one. And now you have to learn how to live in his presence. You see, I didn't know this growing up in church because the church never taught this to me. They didn't teach me a discipleship that included the presence of the Holy Spirit. We will at this church. We do at this church. And we're only going to get better. So the vision series is this. We are going to train you to be good hosts of the divine. We as a family are going to host the presence of God wherever we are. So if we have staff meetings or board meetings or prayer trainings or Sunday mornings or worship Sundays or third Wednesdays, we will create space for the presence of God to be honored, to be ministered in power because we've trained you to be who you are naturally created to be. That's the promise I have. Stay here long enough and see. We have to go after it together though. We have to go after God's presence together. Wow, I have like 17 more pages. No, I have like three more pages, but it's too long. Um, So Lord, what do I cut out? So the scriptures clearly teach that throughout the beginning to the end, God's desire and longing is to be with you and in you and empower you. Are you with me? That's the biblical narrative. You cannot possibly read the scripture and not see from the beginning to end God's desire to tabernacle with you, that his presence is designed to be with you. There's so much on there. I'm gonna leave that. The second thing I wanna say about our church when we talk about God's presence, his presence is everything. More than, than programs and rules of life and practices or our liturgy or the structures or the missional groups or house church or whatever we have, more than books. It's God's presence with us, in us, through us that brings meaning, power, purpose, intimacy, healing, wholeness, peace, love, joy, and transformation that this world needs. It's everything. His presence is everything. So we must learn to honor his presence. And it starts when we gather Okay, when we come together in the sacred space, we must learn to honor his presence. And I want to say this as a gentle rebuke. Because if you were going to dine with royalty tomorrow, you would prepare yourself, would you not? I would be Googling how to dine with royalty. I would probably buy a suit because I don't wear suits anymore. I'd buy something. I'd be like, figure out, like, okay, what, does, what do you wear in the presence of royalty in 2022 fall? Just want to be a little bit out. You know what I'm saying? Anyone else know what I'm talking about? It's like, what hair is trending in 2023? Don't believe you. That was 2019. Um, We have to learn how to honor the presence of God. And worship is a big part of that. Honoring his presence when, when we come together. We know he's in this place, but have you cultivated the kind of heart, life, physical posture that honors the royalty that's in the room? Have you prepared? Have you come empty-handed? 
Look, God, you can come just as you are, but when you're a follower of Jesus, you learn that you can grow in all of the stuff as a co-heir of Christ. There's so much I want to say to you about this. In fact, I think we're going to spend almost all of 22 talking about God's presence. We're talking theology of the Holy Spirit and how revival and history and how do we operate in the gifts and grow in spiritual authority. I'm working on all that because I believe that's lacking in the church today. We love the practices because they're accessible to us. But the Spirit is more accessible than the practices. We just don't know and we haven't learned. So the the presence of God um, is everything. The presence of God, we've talked about empowers us to continue the ministry of Jesus today. And I believe more than ever before, it's the presence of God in demonstrating the power of the Holy Spirit that's, that is the essential ingredient or key to reaching and ministering in a post-Christian world. People are like, we need to reach them through our intellect. No, people are looking for an experience everywhere you go. They're open to spiritual things. They will go do a yoga uh, class. They will do a juice fast. They will do some type of meditation app. They are absolutely open to the experience. Why not give them the ultimate experience they were designed for? A demonstration of God's presence. And then explain it. We have to be trained to be naturally supernatural, as we were talking about early. I love what Mark Sayers says about it. He says, when our beings radiates, when our being radiates him, we become a healing presence in the flawed and failing human systems of the world. Renewal then is not achieved through an act of our human courage or nerve. Instead, it is God's great business in the world. He is moving history towards his ends. The filling of creation with his presence. We tend to focus on tasks of renewal through the lens of self, strategizing and dreaming about how we can create a better future. Being an agent of renewal is joining God in what he is doing. If we are to participate in renewal, we must understand his plan to fill the world with his presence again. Last thing I want to say is personal encounter will empower greater ministry in your life and in our church. Um, For the sake of time, I'm just going to summarize Exodus 33. Exodus 33 is this conversation that, that Moses has with God where he essentially says to him, um, uh, what it says about Moses is that Moses speaks face to face to God. He was like a friend of God and no one was like that. And then the next passage is Moses saying, hey, you tell me to lead these people, but I don't know. And you told me I have favor with you, but um, I need more essentially is what he said. And he says, "I, I need more to lead your people. He's essentially saying, God, I meet face to face with you as a friend, but I need more of you to lead these people. Think about that for a moment. Everyone's grumbling and complaining and criticizing. Can we relate to that? If there was Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, it would be blowing up, okay? And there'd be hashtags against Moses' leadership. He meets, they say he's, he is like no one else who meets with God face to face, a friend of God. And this friend of God says, I need and he says to God, he says, um, I, we, we, can't, we must have your presence. And God says, my presence will go for, before you and I will give you rest. And he says, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us from here. How will anyone know? How will they distinguish us? And then um, the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you ask because I'm pleased with you and I know your name. And then Moses says, so he hears, he's affirmed by God. He's pleased with him. Moses says, show me your glory. 
meeting face to face, a friend of God, pleased with God. He says, show me your glory. And God says, I'm going to do it. I'm going to show you my goodness. And then he goes on to say, um, I will cause my goodness to pass in front of you and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence and I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy on and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion on. And this great story of the glory and goodness of God manifesting in the presence of Moses, he experiences it. And what was the purpose of the encounter with God? What was this personal encounter doing? It was ministering to Moses in such a way that he became a mediator of God's presence to the people of God. It was this thing that changed his ministry for the rest of his life. It was this encounter of God's goodness, not glory. It was God's goodness that gave Moses the capacity to then move forward with leading a bunch of grumbling, complaining folks through the wilderness in hard seasons as the intercessor and mediator on behalf of God. This is your calling in the world, brothers and sisters, to be like Moses, unveiled, soaked and saturated and baptized in the Trinitarian reality, filled with the presence of God, having daily moment encounters with the divine for the sake of the ends of the earth. It's not warm fuzzies to give you another journal article, which is what we turn inward in the charismatic movement. Oh, that was a great sermon. There was a lot of people that came forward for prayer. I got to pray for these people. I had these words. No, that person got healed. And you have this great experience with God in your quiet time in your journal. The purpose of the presence is for the sake of the nations. This is why we're here. We're here for that reason. So I'm going to end there. I had a lot more to say. I had like 21 points actually of what I want to see, but I'm just going to leave it for another time. I'll, we'll, we'll post it. But I will end with this. Do you want more of the Holy Spirit? Would you stand? Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit garden.church. Well